You are listening to Good Morning Roscommon live every Tuesday morning between 9 and 11 a.m. I'm your host, Kira Lawless, and this is Ross FM 94.6. But right now, I am delighted to be joined by Ailish Feely. Ailish is a genealogist, but she's also a historian in the area, and she knows so much about the beautiful history and then when it comes to names. But it's so important, Ailish, isn't it, when it comes to a name and the significance for that with people? What do you kind of find? Absolutely, I suppose... Um, here in Ireland we've had a huge history of emigration and a lot of the work I do relates to people who are trying to track their ancestral uh, history back to Ireland but I suppose from the point of view of everybody living here locally it is very important to start researching your own family history. For years people would have spoken about their relatives, their connections in the local area but with the onset of television and social media we tend not to do as much communicating to each other. So I suppose it is important, um, particularly in County Roscommon, the surnames that are very common are O'Connor and Kelly. The O'Connors, as we know, were uh, la- uh, chieftains in the northern part of the the county, particularly around Castlery and into that area. We also have the Kellys of Imona, south of the River Hind, into Nacrahory, into um, south Roscommon and into East Galway. So they are two very common names in the area. Absolutely. And I know you said that we just touched on, I suppose, the Americans coming over and finding out about their ancestry. Can you tell us some, I suppose, the little, is there any kind of antidotes that come to your mind about some kind of special stories that absolutely. in particular really point out to you? Yes, absolutely. I remember a few years ago uh, being in Roscommon Library doing some research one day and yeah. one of the staff asked me would I help this lady who had just arrived at the desk and her surname was uh, Lynch. All she had to go on was that her ancestor had left Roscommon in 1847 at the height of the famine. Wow. The only information they had was a photograph of St. Coman's Church of Ireland and that the family were connected to the Crofton estate. So I knew from speaking to them straight away and from my connections to Mole Park that they were a member of the Lynch family who were former stewards to the Crofton estate. Now, the story was that her ancestor left in 1847. She had a photograph of the the timber casket that he carried his goods across the Atlantic on. Wow. She still has those. She still had that container it was a beautifully I could see from the photograph it was a beautifully made timber box with a lovely lock on it and still and still perfectly intact and I brought her up to Kilmain graveyard just outside Roscommon town on the hill in Moore Park and we were able to view the um, Lynch headstones up there now as I mentioned the Lynch family were they were originally a Quaker family who had settled in Ballymurray they were one of the Lynch tribe of Galway they arrived in the late 16 early 1700s into Ballymurray they were originally Quaker and then had married into Protestant families in the area, hence the connection with St. Coman's Church of Ireland. Wow. And the family obviously had been in contact with family members who were here still and they'd been sending photographs back of the church. So the photograph she had was from about 1890, 1900. So she wow. stood on that grave that day in um, Kilmain Cemetery. I looked round and she had a teaspoon and a small little plastic Ziploc bag. Stop. And she told me she was bringing back the DNA of her ancestors from Kilmain Graveyard to Virginia in the United States. Wow. So yeah, loads of stories like that. Yeah, yeah fascinating so stories. So tell us this, I suppose she had a teaspoon with her. Like, what was she collecting? How did they collect the DNA? Well, so I mean, now you I don't have no take idea it. about you don't, any um, of this, so. You don't go to a graveyard and, and take it up, dig it up with a teaspoon. No, basically, <laughs> basically what you do if you want to have your DNA tested, there are several companies who test uh, DNA for ancestry purposes. Wow. The best known one is Ancestry.com. Okay. And Find My Past is another company and My Heritage and FTDNA, uh, Family Tree DNA. So basically you would cont- or you would log on to find or to Ancestry, 
uh, you pay this the fee. It's very good to have it uh, done this time of the year because it's about 40% cheaper. They will send you out a kit and you just add some saliva to a little tube. You send it back. It's all very secure. They set you up with a passport, a password and you go in online then once your results come back and you can see all your cousin matches. So any Irish person will have at least 400 fourth cousins and hundreds really? Hundreds wow. and hundreds and hundreds of distant cousins. Because if you think about it, you have two parents, four grandparents, eight great grandparents and 16 great great grandparents. So that's just looking at the direct lines back. If you think about all the children they have had, who they married, the children they had and their generations down, you're going to have absolutely huge numbers of connections through DNA. I was just going to say it probably could be if sometimes I suppose if you went back that far you could could find out someone you didn't think was related to you. Absolutely. Oftentimes it does, yeah. When you get your results back you'll see yeah, you'll see you know, you'll see coming up in your results distant cousins and you're kind of trying to figure out I don't know that surname or I don't know anyone in Australia whatever but if you go back far enough you will find that there might have been a distant you know, great aunt or great uncle who emigrated and married there and lost contact with them here in Ireland. So it's a great way of building up your family tree. But I'd say to anyone who's researching their own family history and anyone here in Ireland or in Roscommon, the very Im- the most important thing to do is to speak to the oldest person in the family. I mean, if I got a, a pound or a euro for everybody who said to me, I wish I'd talk to granny, yeah. I'd be a very rich, wo- rich woman. Because people kept those stories. They knew of the family members who emigrated to New York or to Philadelphia or to Boston or whatever. And then chain migration was very popular. Um, a family might leave, say, the townland of Treman here in Roscommon and they'll travel out to Wisconsin because the family members previously who went out travelled out to Wisconsin. Ah, so they have a little bit of family. So the family connection and then those people who travelled out first would have sent the fair home to the people here and as a result chain migration to a locality built up. But yeah, it's very important to speak to the oldest member in the family, to record your family history, visit the graveyards, record the the information on the headstones uh, and over time, you will build up a, a very good profile of your family history. Wow. You know, it just, it just struck me there as well. I'm sure people maybe that have gone through adoption or things yes. like that. Do yeah. you find that's quite popular? People Absolutely. Coming Absolutely. Coming and we all know the stories of the mother and baby homes. Yeah. And it was very, very common. Illegitimate wow. births were very, very common. They were swept under the carpet. But a lot of these uh, children were adopted outside of the country. And you will find nearly everybody will have a case or two in their DNA connections, which was an adoption case. Really? Uh, in my own DNA, there were two. Um, there were uh, maybe a generation or so back where there was the connection. But yeah, you will find those in the DNA. But the good thing about the DNA is you can an- anonymize your name and if you maybe, wish to yeah. make contact with that person, that's fine. Or if they wish to make contact with you, they can. But it's up to you to make that, you know, you can make the Initial. connection. So it's not as if everybody's going to be banging on your door to say I'm related to you. But um, it is a very secure system uh, from the point of view of DNA testing so, and well worth doing. Wow. God, it sounds amazing. Mm. I'm just trying to think they're like, I suppose they come over, they find the, all this process. Mm-hmm. And how long does it take roughly? I know it probably varies hugely for many people and I suppose how far they want to go back. But yeah. what is an average case? Well, an average case would be somebody connecting or making contact with me via email on my website and saying, I know my grandfather or great-grandfather came from County Cork or County Roscommon. That's all the information I have. Um, And I would contact them and just say, well, can you give me a little bit more information? Do you know when your ancestor emigrated, who they married, where they settled, 
the names of their children. And then I would start to, I would agree, um, you know, with them what kind of a report they want. Yeah. I would then start the process of researching that individual who emigrated. Can I find them on a shipping record? Can I find them on the US census records? Is there a record there for their marriage? Um, as I follow the census records up to date, then maybe I can see them married with a family. There could be an obituary in an American newspaper for them that might mention, you know, that they were born in Roscommon or whatever. And often I would ask um, a client to maybe, if, if they haven't already done it, to have their DNA um, tested through Ancestry or whatever. And in that way, I can pick up further clues as to their connections. And then usually what you find is they'll say, well, look, I'm coming home to visit the ancestral homestead. So it's, wow. it's, a, it's, a, it's a big... Um, Huge deal, it's I a say. big deal for them. I don't think we make enough of it here in Ireland, yeah. and particularly in Roscommon. Roscommon has a huge diaspora worldwide, really? and every townland had hundreds and hundreds of people who left and made their mark around the world. And those people, their ancestors or their descendants today, want to come back to Ireland. I mean, from a tourism perspective, there's huge opportunities there. I was just going to say, absolutely, mm-hmm. I suppose, in the famine, there's a million, there's many million that I'm going Well, to before the there. famine, we had a population of about eight and a half million, okay. and about a million died, and maybe a million and a half to two million emigrated. And then in the period after the famine, we see a huge drop off in population again, okay. because there's nothing here for people to do. So between 1847 and up until the 1940s, people were constantly emigrating. Really? Okay. And not just to America, they were going to England. Um, we have the stories of the tatty hawkers and the agricultural labourers. People would have left Ireland to work for the summer months back from the time of the famine before it and up to the 1940s, 1950s. They would have worked on potato fields in Scotland and farms in England and the, the brass and iron foundries around Lancashire. Many of them stayed and maybe had families there and lost contact with their families here in Ireland. So we have a huge history of emigration. As a result, there's something like 80 million people worldwide who claim Irish heritage. 80 million? Yeah. Wow. It's something you'd never think of, isn't it? No, no. And I suppose there has been a huge interest in recent times in researching family history. That's as a result of uh, programmes like Who Do You Think You Are and Long That's Lost right, Family. I've seen that and it's an yeah. amazing thing yeah. to watch, isn't it? It is an amazing thing to watch. And... I suppose it's a pilgrimage for people. Like They like to come home to find where those ancestors lived, what their lives were like. I mean, for anyone from, say, Australia or America who, has been, who knows that their family were in America for the last five or six generations but have an Irish surname, to come back to stand on that ancestral homestead, it's, it's a big deal powerful. for them. Yeah, it's powerful. It is a powerful feeling for them. And I've stood with people who've, and I've watched the tears run down their faces. Really? Yeah, what excitement, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I suppose Ireland is so known for the culture and the history. We Absolutely. do have that, or I suppose we date right, right back. And I suppose in America, they probably don't have as much, I'll say, history that is as old. So probably when Absolutely. they come here, it's a whole yeah. different experience. Yeah. Have you any yeah. other kind of, I suppose, more antidotes? Because it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, I never have. Hears I have so things. many of them. There was a lady I met uh, last summer. She was in her 80s. Yeah. She was from um, Idaho. And her family were from over uh, between Clun- over Clunfad direction, you'd say Roscommon, Mayo border, that general direction. Yeah. And she contacted me. She was on a walking holiday of Ireland, as I mentioned, she was in her 80s, she's a very fit lady, but her surname was McNamara. And she asked me, would I research the family for her? She knew that her grandmother had left Ireland and didn't know anything more about her, but that she had arrived out in America, settled in the United States and, or in New York, and then moved across the United States into Idaho. And she had the surname McNamara but did, hadn't 
any clue of Ireland apart from the fact that she was on a walking holiday. Yeah. She'd been around the south coast and then made the trip up to Galway. I picked her up in Clare Morris and we headed out to the townland where her family were from. I had all of the work done beforehand so I was able to speak to her as we went out in the car about her family, history, relations, whatever. So I knew where the, the family homestead was but as you do in Ireland and you're going down Little Boreens you do tend to get lost. So <laughs> what I usually do is stop and ask somebody on a tractor because the farmer's know the locality. You're right. I'd say you have amazing chats. Oh yeah, fantastic stories. So anyway, I pulled in and this farmer was um, outside sitting in a tractor, a very neat house. He said, come in, come in. I said, I'm looking for McNamara's. I know they live in this town. And and who are you looking for uh, McNamara's for? I said, an American lady from Idaho sitting in the front of the car. (laughs) She must be my second cousin. Bring her in. So this lady was absolutely amazed to think you could just drive down a rural road in Ireland and meet her second cousins so we went in and she had a feed of bacon and cabbage they were in the middle of their dinner she topped it off with an Irish coffee and then we brought her out to the family homestead which was an old um, an old an old cottage which had been turned into a small farm shed she was absolutely amazed she went back a very happy lady and I've been in contact with her since and she's hoping to come back again next year and stay with the family wow yeah so loads of stories like that God, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I'd say yeah. for you as well, I'd say I, there's a great buzz, I'd say, you do get out of there this. There is. There is. It is a great buzz. And I mean, you know, I, I often drive around the the country roads here in Ireland. I'm looking across ditches and hedges, looking at the ruins of little cottages. Wondering, yeah. And wondering, you know, who lived there and hoping that the next time I drive by, I don't see it demolished. But luckily yeah. enough, we're seeing a lot of these little cottages restored. This is it, I suppose. There's a new mm. grant scheme for a lot of people, isn't there? There is, they're, yeah. They're there putting is. it towards it. It's amazing yeah. that they are being able to do that because yeah. I suppose it's so important, isn't it? It is. History? It's part of our vernacular architecture and it's part of our history and we need to hold on to them. And someday somebody will come looking for that little house. And You, you know, never know, do we? We never, we ne- we never know. And I even think from the point of view of people living in rural Ireland today and people yeah. living around Roscommon, it's important to take note of what's around you. Look at those little fields, look at the, the ruins of the old cottages and ask yourself the question, who lived there? It's very easy to find out. I mean, the starting point is, as I mentioned, speak to the oldest person in the locality, yeah. the oldest member in your family, if it's your own particular family history you're doing. But if you want to find out a little bit more about who were the people who lived in your locality years ago, you know, look at the 1901-1911 census. They're freely available online. Just put in your townland name and it'll bring you up with a list of all of the people who lived in the locality at that time. If you click into the form A on, on the website, if you click into that, it'll give you a description of the house, how many windows it had, whether it was attached or slated. So that's the 1901-1911 census. You can go back then a bit further to about 1864 um, and you will have Griffith's valuation, which was a, a valuation of land. And that online is accompanied by a map where you can actually plot the piece of land that your family owned and you can overlay it with the current day satellite image and it'll give you uh, an image of where particular families lived in the current landscape. You can go back a bit further again. You have the tide, the plotments. There are so many sources out there. And then our local library as well have fantastic local histories and you can find an amazing amount of information on local families as well. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely blown away and I'm, mm. I'm, I'd say while there's so many beautiful cases as well have you come across we'll say some that have really stunned you guys yeah you and would kind of um, yeah there, there are huge um, stories of sadness you know you'll come across um, the stories of the workhouse emigrants say family members who were put into the workhouse at the time of the famine yeah. because they couldn't afford to they, they knew if they stayed in the locality they would have died from starvation or whatever so they'd <gasps> 
they had no choice maybe to give up their small little holding and go into the workhouse. And maybe it might have been a case of a family member being lucky enough within the workhouse system to being given a assisted emigration to America. Okay. But may have left a family member behind. Yeah. You know, so you'll often find there are cases where people are maybe trying to trace Oh, I knew I had. Uh, I knew when my ancestor left Ireland that they had a sister, or a brother, or maybe a family there. And then you find maybe they died in the workhouse, or okay. it could be a family member died in you know in poor circumstances or whatever. But every story is tinged with sadness. But yeah. then it's history, so history is tinged with sadness. So yeah. Ireland has such a rare, unique history. As it well, has. It has. You know, we have so much to offer, and I think we need to focus on that and focus more on our locality and the history of our locality. And I think by starting off with our own family histories, I think we can start then branching out into our local histories and building up the whole story of our community. So I think, you know, if, if, if there's anything to take away from what I'm saying here today is start looking around at what's around you the stories of what's around you, the, the fields, the old buildings, the castles, the old churches, the graveyards. Walk around a graveyard, look at the headstones, look at the names. I mean, I often say a graveyard is like um, an outdoor museum. You walk through okay. it, you look at the names, where did those people end up? That name might be gone from the locality. Um, where did they go? So there, there, there's so many stories there and there's so many layers of history in our landscape. Well, tell us... Th- the journey to gene- genealogy. What actually? What made you get yeah. into, yeah, into that field? As well, well, I'm fr- originally from. Um, I'm originally from Killashee in County Longford. I, wow, okay. My husband is from Roscommon Town here, but my grandmother grew up in that league. Yeah. And as a child, I would have sat by the fire listening to stories about her family, and she always spoke about her three grand aunts, who emigrated to New Jersey in the 1880s. Yeah. Now I then became a teenager, and a lot of this went. You know, went out the window. I became busy at other things. And then when my grandmother died, I remember my father bringing down a a little Jacob's biscuit box full of little documents. I remember opening the biscuit box and saying, wow, all of these letters, there were memorial cards and a name Bridget A. Bird in Trenton, New Jersey, was in the back of one of the cards. So I started that stage digging into my own family history. And I ended up five, six years ago, Travelling out to New Jersey to visit the graves of these three great grandads of mine. Mm. And I met with something like 50 third and fourth cousins. All wow. descendants of the three ladies who had left um, at the league in the 1880s. And to date, about 15 of those have been back on holidays to Ireland and have been visiting the ancestral homestead in at league. So you've, you've expanded the family? I've expanded the family. And that's what I'd say to anyone researching their own family history. You know, you end up with so many relations. And you you end up with uh, people who are sharing stories as well. So I knew when I started the research on my own family, on those three particular grand-aunts or great-grand-aunts, when I went out to New Jersey, the first stop I made was to St. Paul's Cemetery in Princeton. Now, three of them had worked as housemaids in Princeton. One lady then married um, a well-to-do Episcopalian um, farmer by the name of John Slayback. What is Episcopalian? It's the it's the equivalent it'd be similar to the Church of Ireland, a Protestant religion. Okay. She married him and they had several children. He died young uh, while their children were quite young. She continued with her Catholic faith. But I found newspaper records saying that the Ku Klux Klan had been burning crosses on the lawn of her house. Because she was Catholic, her husband had died. Okay. And they wanted her off the land. But she was a strong lady and she ended up, you know, continuing farming and 
raised her children. They all did very well for themselves. And uh, she's like any like any Irish um, person who emigrated. It's always, a, you know, some very interesting stories attached to their journey when they moved out to America. Seems to me they're always very true to themselves. They keep, they are, they yeah, keep it as yeah. part. Like I've come across fantastic stories about um, Irish women who might have married, again, married Episcopalians or Presbyterians or whatever. And you come across, you know, baptismal records for them. And you wonder what's going on. Church, Catholic baptismal records. And one particular case I found was a lady who left Roscommon, went out to New York, married a Scots Presbyterian gentleman, brought the three children back to Ireland to visit her mother. But And the children were about maybe five, six and seven. Yeah. But I'm finding baptismal records for them here in Roscommon. She baptised them as Catholics but didn't tell her husband. She didn't tell Yeah, so that's what they did, you know, but they were, I found Weren't baptism. they clever? They found, <laughs> I found the baptismal records for them in the Presbyterian Church in New York. So they baptised twice. So she held true to her faith and there was no man going to tell her what to do or how to raise her I children. I love that there's such a rebellious streak in, in <clears throat> Irish yeah. women and there's, yeah. it's not... It's not acknowledged half enough, is it's it? It's not. And a lot of the Irish when the when the Irish women when they went out as well, I suppose they were they went out because they knew they might have a better chance at life. Yeah. They knew if they stayed here at the time, maybe after the famine, all they faced them was drudgery, maybe hard work, small farm, yeah. no money. And yeah. trying to look after their children here would have been very, very difficult to maybe get an education for them. But when they went out to America, they had they had fantastic opportunities. Now, granted, there were some very sad stories out there as well. A lot of them ended up in Five Points in New York, which was a slum area. And they had to work very, very hard to get out of that and make a life. A lot of them were affected by alcoholism. Um, then, you know, living in very poor conditions, maybe in tenement housing. They were affected by disease. And again, TB was a huge issue as well. A lot of them contracted TB. But generally... A lot of them did very, very well for themselves. And look, we see it. And look at the number of American presidents who have, who are of Irish descent. Very true. Actually, you know? you're right. They all and very wealthy um, business people in the states who have Irish connections. So the Irish tend to have. They had a great work ethic, and I suppose that was always there from the time of uh, and before the famine, because we were, um, you know, we were dominated by the English, and there was always that rebellious streak and that streak of wanting to get on. So yeah, very, very interesting stories. And every family has a very interesting story. So if you go back to your ancestry, you will find that one or two heroes or heroines, you know, and researching their stories, it's, 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 it's just a nice way of remembering them. I think you're amazing. And I think what a fascinating career to have to be able to talk to all these people beautiful thing to call mm. into people's houses and we've lost a lot of that we have we've we lost have. those small conversations that are so so important and we don't realize it especially the younger generations we do not realize how important it Absolutely. is to know where we've come from Absolutely. for anyone listening in was say in the locality of ross common what do you think is really important that we should know about in the history that's not talked about enough i think the family history is really important and again to link it back to tourism we're trying to build up tourism here in this county and we have a huge yeah. diaspora and we've Rathcrohan. I Rath can't Crohan get well. over out yes, there. Yes, but Rathcrohan. So talk about Newgrange, but Rathcrohan. Yes, as well but also remember we have Rathcrohan, we have Clonellis House, we have Strokestown, yeah. but we're forgetting all of the small little townlands. Every townland yeah. in this county has a name that explains the history or the landscape or the topography. Like we have Nacrohri, we have Licaro, we have Moat Park, we have Bilnamulla, Castle Samson. All of those really interesting areas. We have one or two of the famous areas, the important areas like Strokestown House, Rathcrohan. But don't forget the local history and the local stories. But it's bringing those people back and bringing them back to the likes of Athleague, 
to the likes of, say, Nacrahri, to St. John's, Le Carol, to Dysart, to Four Roads. That's where we need to be thinking about. I mean, you know, the bus buses will bring people to Rathcroft and Strokestown House and they're hugely important tourist attractions. But it's the local stories at the end of the day that will build up our tourism base. Anyone I've met here in Ireland as a result of genealogical research, it was always their first visit, but they always came back. I have one family who have come back on seven different occasions. Wow. And what they do now is they rent an Airbnb in the area. Now, these come to Galway. They rent an Airbnb in the area and they visit all of the, the let's say, the forgotten Ireland, Ireland off the beaten track. You have to remember from a tourism perspective as well. Tourism is very corralled. Mm, we always go true. to, say, Killarney. Uh, if you go to Galway, to Dublin, you see p- American tourists getting off buses. But yeah. that is controlled. They're very brought true, yeah. to the places that the tour companies want to bring them to. If, we, if we're serious about tourism in Roscommon, we need to look at our local history. We need to look at our diaspora. We need to start bringing these people back. Mm. Like we could have conferences on the Clan O'Connors, the Clan Kellys. Uh, there's so many names like Finnerty, Gerrity, that are synonymous here with Roscommon. Maybe you'd have a rally of Gerrities, have a rally of O'Kellys. But that will start people, start to get people into the conversation of researching the local history and their family histories. And it's something I, I think everybody should consider is just jotting down your name. What were the names of your four grandparents? What were your great grandparents' names? Can you complete your family tree? And it's it's a lifelong journey, but you find out more about so much about yourself and about your family members as well on that journey. Wow. I'm absolutely blown away and I have to ask because I've been trying to find out about it and you might I, I, mm-hmm. I think you're the one to ask. Um out in the crockery as well, I noticed there's a wood there, but particularly is apparently it's one of the most, it's an ancient forest, is it? Uh, yes, yeah, St. John's Wood. Um, yeah. If you consider what Ireland was like back before the English started invading 13th, 12th, 13th, 14th century, we had a very high rate of cov- woodland coverage. Mm. At the moment, we have the lowest tree coverage in Europe. But really? what they found about St. John's Wood is one of the last remaining stands of native Irish woodland with native Irish species. So what you're seeing out there is the type of woodland, the type of trees that would have covered Ireland before the various stages of invasion. So it's very important, again, a very important site to hold on to. And that's right beside Rindoon as well out there, which was um, a medieval town. Okay, I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So we have so much history here on our doorsteps. Even just take a walk up to the Sacred Heart Church in Roscommon, walk around it, look at the names on the plaques on the wall, uh, look at the symbolism there. Go into St. Coman's graveyard here in the town, look at the names on the headstones, walk up our main street, look at the the types of buildings we have and go back to 1901, 1911, look at Roscommon then, what was it like? Roscommon Castle here on our doorstep, an absolutely magnificent castle. We don't make enough of it here in the town. Um, every little street, every little field has a story. So I think we need to be, again, we need to be more focused on the local as opposed to worldwide history. And I think wow. this is where we start. I think I, I, I'm totally blown away by all of this this morning, Eilish. One last thing I want to ask you while I have you from from a Castle Samson native myself. What's what is there's, there's I know there's a castle, there's an old ruins of a castle yes, there. Yes, and there was connection with with the Samson family. Um, castles in Ireland, we're, our, our landscape is dotted with ancient castles and ruins. Yeah. Again, there were various stages of invasion in, in Ireland. And we're seeing, for example, um, 
looking for a Scammon castle, there were several different periods of ownership of that castle. Yeah. So again, if you wanted to research the, the history of Castle Sampson, your starting point is to look at loganum.ie. That's a website that explains the, the townland name. That will have several references to different documents which will provide more information on the site. Uh, look at your um, site's monuments register, which records all of the old archaeological features in the area. That will allow you to build up another layer of history on the site. Um, there may be information on Castle Sampson, maybe in the National Library of Ireland. There are several authors in the area I know who would have written very, very good books on the history of Top McConnell, that particular wow. area. So your starting point is is looking at the townland name, looking at the names of the families associated with it. We have Castle Sampson there. There may be also a Kelly with uh, a connection with the O'Kelly clan. Uh, Daniel Curley, I know, is from that general area, general area who would be very good on the archaeology of um, South Roscommon. And again, we're talking about layers of history. So for it goes deep. It, it, runs deep. It, it runs deep. And there are so many sources as well. So much of it is online. Check with your local library, check online. But don't stop there. There's always a question, you know, if you find one source, it'll lead you to another. If you look at a family in Castle Sampson in the 1901 or 1911 census, you'll see a snapshot in time in April of 1901. The family names were there. It, it, it may say, it may... Um, it may be the case that there were children there who had left the family and moved somewhere else. So you're going into the census records and you're putting in maybe a Kelly family born Roscommon but living in other counties. So can you pick them up that way? If you look at the 1911 census for Castle Sampson, if you look at a particular family there, it gives you very good information in 1911. It'll say maybe John and Mary Kelly, eight children born, six living, but there's only maybe three or four in the census. So you're going back wondering, did some of the children emigrate? Did they die? So... Again, there's loads of clues. I always say genealogy and family history and local history research is like CSI Miami without the blood. <laughs> you're just looking say, for clues. You're like, you're, yeah, the, you're yeah. the real Miss Fletcher. Yeah, well, I don't know what call me Miss Fletcher now, but it's it's a lifelong addiction is what I call it. Anyone who gets into, a, into history or into their family history becomes very, um, very questioning. And, you know, you're always looking for extra clues and wondering where did that person end up or where did they go? Have they any descendants? How are they related to me? So it's it's a lifelong quest, but very enjoyable pastime. It was absolutely a pleasure to hear all about this, Ailish. For anyone listening in and they're in Roscommon and they'd like to contact you and organise an appointment to maybe to mm-hmm. go through their, their family yeah. history, how can they go about booking your services? Uh, I have a website called Irish Clan Connections. Uh, so if you want to link into that, I'm happy to to give people advice or guidance as well. Amazing. Thank okay. you so much for You're coming welcome. on this morning. You're so full of knowledge and just a beautiful wealth in Irish culture and history. It's amazing. And it was an absolute pri- privilege to have you on this morning. Thank have you. a fabulous day. Thank you. Take care.